0: And we are live. Welcome back to the Black Muse Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Muse, a.k.a. The Black Muse. Uh, It's a very fine Saturday. Very happy to get back streaming after the the week off that we had for Thanksgiving. Um, And I'm also excited uh, to bring on uh, my guest for today. Uh, It is a man uh, who goes by the alias Pardon Will, uh, but uh, maybe better known as uh, W. David, I want to say, Lily uh i'm gonna bring him on and he can correct me if i mispronounce his name uh how you doing man
1: i'm doing good i'm doing good and yeah it's it's lily
0: okay just wanted to make sure i got it right uh so um i would love for you to inform uh my audience about uh how we met where where do we know each other from
1: um yeah most uh, probably like a lot of the guests you had previously bro um uh, we know each other from a, a silly app called Clubhouse. Um, very silly app. It's a very silly place um, <laughs> but yeah we, we've we've ran into each other um, in some rooms um, over a wide spectrum of topics and so um, yeah. I don't know exactly where we where we uh, kind of fell in jive with like uh, in, in a flow but we kept like popping into each other's rooms often so yeah I, agree. Um, I think was it under a com- I think it was like a comic book room? It might have maybe been. not. I think so.
0: I've done uh, those, but I don't I don't know that the, the first one. I've done so many types of rooms. Uh yeah. just kind of just kind of seeing just kind of exploring what Clubhouse can be. Uh so it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's just actually usually very difficult to pin down the first room. Uh oh, yeah. it's very rare that I, I'm able to do that. But yeah, we wide variety of topics because I, I don't know, I'm kind of have eclectic tastes. So I, I talk yep. about like so many different things. Me too. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to have you on, uh, and particularly because you showed interest in philosophy, which is something that I don't feel like I get to talk about as often as I want to. Um, I feel for some reason, and maybe maybe I don't, maybe this is unjustified, but I, I feel um, there's a certain kind of level of familiarity that you have to have with philosophical thinking in order to make a philosophical discussion worth it for me. And part of that comes from the fact that I am I am generally like above average with my familiarity with philosophical topics. Cause I majored in it in college. Um, it doesn't make me an expert. doesn't make me smarter than people, but like, I don't know, like there's levels to it. And like, I think a lot of times people are <coughs> engaging at these topics kind of for the first time and at a, at a more basic level, which we would expect for engaging with anything for the first time. And I'm, I'm to the point where I'm like, yeah, I, I did that already. I want to, I want to go to the more advanced stage, uh, and, and get deeper. And I feel that philosophical discussions with random people on Clubhouse frustrate me because of that. Yeah. And I'm not trying to come off as snobby, but they're they're without making it seem as though I'm more intelligent than them, because I genuinely don't believe that. It's There's more like, I don't know, there's levels of of depth that you can go to when you when you have a solid foundation and basic stuff. You can go on. It's kind of like any subject, like mathematics. Yeah. You can have basic rudimentary understanding of arithmetic. But when you're talking about like, you know, Differential calculus like like that is more advanced and so being able to engage at that level um is different from just being able to engage with basic arithmetic you know what i mean so i think the philosophy yeah, yeah. kind of has that vibe too
1: um it does it does for sure i think i think the problem with philosophy too when it comes to but not a problem and you studied it and i i didn't i, I mean i was an outsider when it came to studying and stuff like that um the problem is it, it has a tendency to kind of move wherever it wants to go and then um invokes it and where you have a foundation with like math and it builds upon philosophy gets to a point and then starts to pour over into other things and requires on un- you know what I'm saying it's feeling um, a bad way of explaining this, but it has a tendency to have vines connecting to all the other philosophical topics. and so um, it gets really chaotic, real easy. Um,
0: yeah, so philosophy well, can become i would I think the term I would use is nebulous for sure nebulous.
1: perfect, perfect
0: term. Um, yeah. but I, I do think that there's there's a way of doing philosophy where you can minimize that impact. Yeah. Um, so analytic philosophy in the Western tradition is 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 a, a way of doing philosophy that, that emphasizes logical consistency, making sound logical arguments um, and stuff like that. And there's a way of doing philosophy where it's more amorphous. It's more kind of all over the place. It's more um, just saying kind of pithy things and, 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 and in many ways saying things that are cleverly worded oh dude that's um, me all day, me all day. <laughs> And that's not necessarily inherently bad or it's not like it has no value to do that i mean it's something it would be something more akin to poetry than mathematics mm-hmm. but it's still you know there, there's still versions of philosophy that are done that can be quite profound because you can you can use words in clever ways to actually prompt people to think very deeply about concepts and try to explore what the deeper meaning of them are and anytime you're doing something like that you're doing a version of philosophy um and in fact you can have a whole philosophical discussion about what philosophy is and isn't <laughs> if you really wanted to kind of a yeah, meta philosophy yeah. um but yeah no i'm excited to talk about philosophical things with you today um and excited to have you on the podcast um and then also just a real shameless plug don't you have your own podcast
1: I do. Um, I'm a fellow podcaster. It's called the Pardon Will Podcast, cleverly named. Um, and uh, man, it's I, I enjoy doing the podcast too. We, we talked a little bit about this. Um, I, I have a tendency to start off at interviewing artists because I had an art gallery and it was a way to kind of um, build upon their art because a lot of times people come to a gallery showing and they'll see the art and they'll maybe get five minutes with the artist. And so I decide, well, I'll just interview them um, for the gallery and put it out there just to have fun. And then it eventually evolved and evolved. and Started getting and then COVID happened, so I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna have to do them over a phone call." And that opened me up to having uh, a wide array of guests across the world. So um, it was cool. Yeah, fellow podcaster.
0: Yeah, that's what's up, man. And I'm, I'm new to the podcast thing. Uh, I didn't really think of myself as a podcaster. I just thought of myself as doing the podcasting. Like, mm-hmm. like, like you may cook, but you don't think of yourself as a chef necessarily. No. Like you just,
1: you just do the thing. I actually um, hate saying I'm a podcaster because it's kind of. kind of of sends a chill down my spine like oh god is this what i've become Uh, and so i don't i try to avoid saying it but when it's two of us in the same uh online room then then might as well just admit to it yeah
0: i don't even know what it means yet like i don't, I don't know either. what what, don't what, what what that confers on me to say that it's, it's actually weird at what point it's not going what,
1: on a resume by any means it's not going on a resume. yeah
0: like at, like at what point in your in your daily life when you cook a lot do you actually become a chef is it when you start selling your yeah. your work is it when you open a restaurant like like you know what i mean and i feel like podcasting has that same kind of vibe it's like well like i produce content i put it yeah. online for people to see that's what podcasters do yeah. i'm very amateurish about it i'm not really making money off of it at what point am i officially a podcaster?
1: see this is actually a good conversation to start with the philosophy thing so i'm uh a, i'm an artist as well so that's where i i i Got started in doing a lot of, the, I guess, almost like content creation. Oh God, here we go. Um, <laughs> as an as an artist, you you struggle with that. I feel like you are gonna. Too.
0: I feel like the word influencer is not too far Oh, away. <laughs> dude, I uh,
1: I uh, oh well, no, oh, I am gonna try to avoid that at all costs. Um, <laughs> if uh, but yeah, as as artists, you actually start off with that same thing because I mean, anybody can. When I first started painting, um, it was on uh, pizza boxes because you know, just my life situation. You know, my buddy you know, you had a roommate my my buddy he had a he had a ton of paints and i was like well let me let me see some of these and we had a, obviously had pizza boxes laying around so i started painting on them and that's how i started off and then i eventually got to where you know i got better and better and then i had a you know i went to a coffee shop that whole had a whole gallery room but they didn't have any art in it and i was like well let me try let me try a gallery and so i sold the pieces of art before then and then and then I uh, I asked them if I could set my art up and do a show there. And they were like, yeah, this is fine. And this is like Southeast Texas. This isn't like, you know, Manhattan or anything like that. Um, and they let me do it. And so I was like, well, when do I become an artist? Is it after a piece? Is it when I think I'm good? Or is it after a gallery show? And I was like, well, now I've done all of these and I'm still a terrible artist. But I still technically probably can say I'm an artist. Um, so, yeah, I don't know when that begins. I don't know when you cross that threshold of becoming something. Um yeah. And it might just be, and, and might what just even be the, when you want it.
0: And what and Yeah, I, I agree with that. And what even the criteria is, it's not even clear to me that in order to become an artist, you have to be good. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: I would hope not because that would shrink their numbers drastically. Um, and the, <laughs> the, other, the other thing is I have a buddy of mine. He, he actually went to school for art. And uh, I didn't know this term because I didn't go to school for art. I just, I, I'm considered to what, what's called an outside artist. For those who aren't outside artists, they don't know. Um, outside artists don't know that they're outside. They're, they're just artists. And uh, people in school that were, were, and I always, when he told me that, I was like, that's kind of punk rock. I'm going to stick with it. But um, So I don't even know if that's technically an artist either. If, if you didn't go to school for it in, in that realm, you might not be considered an artist. But um yeah, is the criteria some
0: kind of official credential or academic track because like i i feel like a lot of people would
1: consider themselves artists even if they didn't go to school for it uh yeah um, but you can't, you can't do that with, you can't you can't do that with medicine uh, i mean you could um be like well i'm a doctor and be like well hold on there um you kind of have to graduate
0: not to in the like west you way. can't but i think that there are probably good reasons for us having certain probably standards uh but they do, they do have people in other countries that have private medical practices who don't go through the same hoops that our medical practitioners go through. Oh,
1: okay. Um,
0: yeah, in other countries because they don't have the infrastructure for it. They don't have the big schools and, and, and stuff catered to it in certain third world countries. But they have people who still study medicine uh, informally or maybe quasi-formally meaning not in with an institution but like they have classes they have textbooks they have access to the a lot of the same medical information that that, that we have here um so there's that so that, that's just that's just, that, that's just interesting I know we're kind of getting off the main topic but yeah, I, I think it's bad. I think it's worthwhile exploring this just because we're, we're we are going to delve into a kind of uh philosophical tract of trying to define things and so yeah, this is this warm up yeah, yeah crossing, crossing that threshold yeah, yeah yeah so and
1: honestly yeah, if anyone's listening and they run into an outside doctor uh, I don't know about <laughs> that one uh, an
0: outside doctor well there would yeah. be a it would be a that doesn't have a medical license that's recognized in the west right um but if if that's the only doctor recognized. that specializes you know no i mean yeah but like official in some kind of official capacity but if it's like a doctor in a third world country who specializes in some rare treating some rare disease yeah. and nobody in the west does that and you're desperate I bet you, you would, you would probably roll the dice and be like, yeah, well, at yeah, least, at least this person has studied that shit and, has, and maybe has had some success. <laughs> I'll take some fucking, <laughs> some no. Eastern doctor. You know, that's funny. That was actually the theme of Dr. Strange is the, the Western medicine couldn't help him with his hands. And so he got real desperate and that's went all mistakes. the way to Kamar and was, was disappointed to find out that that they had this kind of soothsayer woo woo stuff that he didn't believe in as a medical practitioner. And then, and then, uh, Tilda Swinton's character, the ancient one fucking literally blew his mind, like, like took his soul out of his body and he's fucking astral projected. Like what the fuck? What, what was in that tea? He didn't even believe it at that point. And then he like went through all the fucking realms and shit. And then he was just like, teach me, please.
2: Too little of yourself.
0: Oh, you think you see
1: through me, do you or you don't? But I see through you!
0: (gasps) What did you just do to me?
2: I pushed your astral form out of your physical form.
0: What's in that tea? Psilocybin? LSD? It's
2: just tea. With a little, honey. What just happened? For a moment, you entered the astral dimension. What? A place where the soul exists apart from the body. Why are you doing this to me? To show you just how much you don't know. Open your eyes.
0: Which is getting dangerously high.
2: He looks all right to me. You think you know how the world works? You think that this material universe is all there is? What is real? What mysteries lie beyond the reach of your senses? root of existence, mind and matter meet. Thoughts shape reality. Oh. This universe is only one of an infinite number. Worlds without end. Some benevolent and life-giving. Others filled with malice and hunger. Dark places where powers older than time lie ravenous and waiting. Vast multiverse, Mister Strange. Have you seen that before in a gift shop?
1: Me. No. Yeah, dude, that has to be one of my top 10 of all of the MCUs. Uh, yeah,
0: Doctor Strange is, is epic, man. I love I love that film. The second one, I, I, I liked the second one, but the first one has a special place in my heart. Yeah, I really, really, really liked it. It's an origin story. It was very, very good.
1: I think the, the second one did good, but it did it did better because it was the same Raimi film. If Sam Raimi wasn't a part of it, I don't know if I'd liked it as much. Um, but because I just recognize a lot of that director in the film, so yeah. yeah another, sorry, we rabbit hole again. <laughs> we rabbit hey, it's,
0: it, it's cool, man. It's cool. We, I, 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 I tend to go on tangents on these d dives. Yeah. Me too. Right. Man, me too. So let's. Uh, so we did a little warm up philosophy, which I thought I think is great. Um, and I want to uh, <coughs> transition us awkwardly into the topic proper. So we actually have come uh, to talk about, I think, a topic. um, that is 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 in some sense fundamental to a lot of the culture war stuff that we're seeing in our contemporary politics it's an ongoing debate um it comes from olden days uh but it is continuing and kind of re-emerging in various different ways in our contemporary times and that is uh the debate uh, between free speech uh, versus hate speech um and to kind of summarize it on the one hand we have a deeply rooted tradition that uh, in some in some ways instantiates a particular form of freedom and that is a fr- the freedom for a person to express in various different ways not just verbally but express the contents of their minds and hearts with fidelity the way they actually believe And we have a whole bunch of roots in our legal tradition in the West in particular, but also in the United States. Sorry, in the West generally, but also in the United States in particular. Um, And uh, instantiated in the First Amendment in particular, where we have freedom from government authority uh, to be able to express the contents of our minds even if we're wrong, even if we think things that are vile, even if we think things that are hateful. And there's a whole bunch of, um, of of arguments one could give for why that's really, really important in a civil society such as ours, to whatever extent it is civil in 2022. Um, but on the other hand, and in contrast with that, there does seem to be very recognizable, just intuitively very recognizable examples where people express the contents of their minds and hearts in ways that cause harm to other people, particularly uh, when they are doing that in targeting certain groups. So we, we've seen that in the context, at least partially of uh, Nazi Germany, uh, where uh, the Jewish people were demonized and scapegoated in various different ways. And a whole bunch of negative stereotypes and tropes were drum up, drummed up about them. And that kind of thing escalated and progressed to the point where you had Mass desecration and some of the most di- one of the most diabolical acts of genocide ever perpetrated in all of Western human history against Jews. Millions of Jews died by the hands of the Third Reich and uh, uh, Nazi Germany under Hitler, and like such devastating consequences that are the like inevitable progression of something that started off just very much kind of like (laughs) we're just demonizing a group of people uh might be an example that you might cite. you might cite something analogous to that in the context of the united states of america um when when it comes to chattel slavery and how um my ancestors black people were demonized um regarded as inherently inferior as the kind of being that can be treated literally as property uh that can be taken uh sexually for the gratification of their slave masters who literally owned them as property. Um, and there were all kinds of justifications for diabolical treatment of uh, enslaved people in the United States context. Um, one could argue that a lot of the origins of that started with a discourse uh, about what the status of these people were and progressed to all of these horrible atrocities regardless Even if you don't want to count those extreme examples, we have all kinds of examples where people lie on other people and it causes damage because it it generates uh, false beliefs or rumors that are not true about those people and people act in accordance with those things. So you have the kind of spreading of misinformation and there's damage that can be done there, probably not as extreme as genocide, but still damage enough. Um, Or you can have damage to the psyche of groups of people who are constantly demonized uh, for immutable characteristics, things that are out of their control. So no matter how extreme you want to go, I think intuitively we can find examples where people saying certain things, particularly if they're violent, hateful, and ignorant, uh, can cause a lot of damage. It's one of the reasons why I think Kanye West is in trouble right now is because he's saying a whole bunch of things about Jews that don't really seem to be true. They seem to be perpetuating negative tropes that actually were the hallmarks of Nazi Germany. And so I can understand why people want to like distance themselves from that kind of thing so i've said a lot but i want to get you in here will Um, uh when it comes to this free speech versus hate speech debate it does seem like it's actually a a legitimate conundrum to what extent do we want to put limitations on what people can say and and what damage is there if we become uh too censorious of people's ability to be able to say what they actually believe and on the other hand is is it is it is there no way that we can get a little too loose with our freedom of speech to the point where we're allowing all kinds of vile speech that perpetuate dangerous and reprehensible ideas that have irreversible and 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 and, and perhaps devastating consequences in our society
1: um that's a big one i think uh, i think I'll, i might if you don't mind i'm going to back up a little bit yeah no worries and, and and back to what you said before because everything like when we talk about speech it, and there's an the old philosopher who said this out nowhere basically it's thoughts eventually turn into words and words eventually turn into actions and actions eventually it steamrolls downhill but it all starts from a single thought and so the idea of if a thought gives birth to speech and then speech gives birth to actions and actions gives birth to consequences hypothetically um, how do we keep from the bad ones the bad actions coming out without without squashing the good ones too so all you know bad thoughts turn into bad words well, how do we stop the the bad words well just keep them from speaking um but how do you stop bad thoughts um and, and i think that comes back to the idea of either either shut people up and you what well, we're talking about like quote unquote cancel culture or cancel them out remove yeah. their speech from them it's not going to change their thoughts matter of fact it might amplify it and so i i probably fall under a, a pretty broad ten of free speech absolutism um, I don't know if I'm smart enough to understand what that implies. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But I think I, I fall into that category because I, you're never going to solve bad thoughts. Um, and the only way I can tell to solve bad, to change bad thoughts is by letting that person speak and then contending with, with better speech. And so that's mm-hmm. that same thing. Like you don't, the only way to fight bad ideas is to have better ideas come against them in the, the arena of, of uh, debate. And so I think I think when it comes to free speech, this is where I'm starting off. I think you're never going to get rid of bad thoughts, but you can change them with with allowing them to come out. And so I'll, I I'm all for free speech, even if it's hate speech, um, because I I'd, I'd like to know who's thinking what, and if if you curtail that with a cultural, like even with the Kanye thing, I I, I would rather Kanye say what he's saying now, so I know how to. You know, whether I'm not going to buy Yeezys anyway, but if I was like, well, now I don't know if I want to wear his shoes. Um, Mm -hmm. I I like that. And then it also allows people who are close to him Mm -hmm. to maybe pull him aside and go, hey, buddy, uh, you might be off the rails a little bit. Let's let's. And and so but no one would know that. It's the same thing where you you have a friend, you know, who who maybe does something drastic, and you know, ends their life. And you're like, well, I wish they would have said something. No, I wish, yeah. I, I, and we have a, a saying with some friends that are like, or I've you've seen this online where it's like, I'd, I'd rather sit with you for an hour talking about your problems than sit for 45 minutes at your funeral. You know, like that kind of thing. And, and yeah. you never know what people are going through and what they're thinking until you open that gate. Now, there, again, it can always steamroll and you have things like genocide. Um, but I don't know you're going to stop genocide by, by curtailing speech. Uh, I think the only... Anyway, so I'll land it here. The only way, the the best way to to stop bad speech and hate speech is to contend with it with debate. And uh, I don't understand the argument of Bingo. well, if you're debating a fool, don't you give that fool a platform to think that they're smarter? And I would say, yeah, I, I think I think there's a proverb for that. But um, where we are in our our context now, let Kanye do Kanye, and uh, and then let the people who love him call the doctor. You know, I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, fair enough. I, I I think that that's a very um great example of the kind of stance that uh, the quote-unquote free speech absolutists take, uh, for sure. But I kind of want to invest us in this discussion in the controversy, because I think that there's a genuine controversy here, and I think that it's not obvious which side is right. And I think that usually when that happens, it's usually because both sides have validity. Uh, Both sides are partially right, but perhaps not all the way right, and it's not clear exactly where all the way right even is. So, for example, if Kanye, so Kanye West is uh, reportedly uh, guilty of perpetuating anti-Semitic tropes. Uh, most recently, he's, he's gone into a more extreme version of that um, and by professing, I don't know how sarcastically it seemed, he did it in a way that seemed like he was sincere, um, but he, he may have been trolling. Uh, but assuming that he was sincere, he, he, he professed uh, an affinity for Hitler um, in a way that seemed to confirm, I think, in the, in the minds of most people who are already disillusioned by the, the statements he was making or incensed by them, uh, that, that Kanye West has taken a pretty extreme anti-Jewish or anti-Semitic stance. Um, and so professing love for Hitler is, in the eyes of most people, tantamount to endorsing the atrocities that Hitler committed against Jews. I think that's how most people are going to interpret it. Um, however fair or unfair that conclusion being drawn is, I think that it's a natural one. Anybody, any, any time a person expresses affinity for someone who's regarded as kind of the worst person ever, like a monster, um, that's kind of the natural conclusion I think people will draw will, will, will draw a lot of people. If we want to play the nuance game, I guess we can do that. He, he seemed to be trying to articulate that there were certain facets of Hitler that he liked, as opposed to everything about Hitler that he liked. I really wish that somebody would have asked him, is there anything about Hitler you don't like? That
1: would have but been he, a great question. Yeah, that would have been
0: my natural question, because yeah, I would, would have, have I would have prompted him to, like, at least acknowledge that there's aspects of Hitler that we all agree are atrocious. And if you're trying to do this kind of radical love <laughs> in, the, in the image of Jesus Christ or whatever, which it seemed like he was gesturing towards. And and, and 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 his way of expressing that is is by saying that somebody that we generally regard as a monster and irredeemable and the worst person, even he had redeemable qualities. And that's kind of the point he was trying to make. Yeah. Okay, but you can recognize that people who committed heinous acts, committed heinous acts at the same time as you can recognize that they may have had redeeming qualities. Like, I mean, maybe Hitler loved his mother. Maybe Hitler was a gentleman. Uh, maybe Hitler could make a mean cup of coffee. I don't know. I don't know anything about Hitler's personal life. Maybe Hitler was actually really, really smart. I've actually heard that Hitler's a very intelligent person. Uh, just a maybe really was, bad artist.
1: That was it. <laughs> yeah, really I've enough. heard.
0: He, I've heard he was very charismatic, and that was maybe a part of why you know that, that he had. He he must have had leadership qualities of some sort. So yeah. the the idea that H- Hitler had some virtues is I don't think that controversial. I think what's controversial is it was expressed by Kanye in a way that made it seem like Hitler had no vices, and like. In the context of a person who's known for saying anti-Semitic things, like he like he wants to go Deathcon con three on Jews, like it's not a good look. It's just the optics are terrible, bro. Like, like I yeah. don't know, man. And so it's hard to justify the idea that even if you want to be nuanced. But the idea that he has the freedom to say these horrible things, I think strikes at the heart of the controversy because, because what people are concerned with is that, he has an outside sphere of influence that most people don't have. He has a huge microphone and a platform that goes far and wide despite efforts recently to censor him and deplatform him. And he's, in, he's, he's making an impression on some people in ways that may drum up a lot of controversy, particularly between the black community and the Jewish community, but just in general in our society, having kind of like anti-Semitic animosities being being drummed up. And those negative consequences, to whatever extent that they are happening or potentially will happen, could be cited as the ills of hate speech. That's why hate speech is bad. That's why hate speech needs to be curtailed. So you might give an independent argument of, of that kind of sort that says, look, if we can recognize um, a, a lot of consequences, negative harms that are, that, are, that are the result of particular forms of speech, i.e. hate speech, then we can we can motivate a discussion about how do we curtail that? What do you think about that?
1: Um, I think that's a good. See, there's, a, there's a lot there that my, my my mind was kind of running through because, even on the idea of <clears throat> Kanye has a platform, um, and he could he could you know, when he speaks, it's not like me and you talking on this podcast or you know in your living room setting. When he says something, it echoes throughout the world because of his influence, and that that echo can butterfly effect into something drastic happening. Right? That's that's very possible and very true, um, but even allowing, even allowing to do what he did, I, I'm trying to walk this through and, and make sure I don't say something. At least make sure I'm coherent on this. Um, I don't, I don't. Again, he's been kind of. Let's talk about Kanye. He's been kind of ramping up uh, uh, for a while now. Like if you watched his Twitter, if you know the whole Pete Davidson thing um you can kind of start seeing like a, a deterioration of he was kind of going through like a a britney thing you know if, where, where she had a mental breakdown you can kind of see this build up um it would have been different if all of a sudden he was he ghosted and he was fine or was like "Whoa, you kanye's probably working on this next album and then he shows up on alex jones and says what he said and then you're like wait what but because because of free speech and because he's exercised it so 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 unwell um <laughs> With lack of responsibility of it, it kind of showed a lot of his cards. And I always, I say this is a, a good example for those listening um, when it comes to free speech. And what I mean by what I like when people say their thoughts out loud because it lets me know who they are and be able to um, judge accordingly if I'm going to you know go into business or if I'm going to shop here. Or, um, it's like playing poker. And, and anybody, everyone's technically at the table. And, and I'm not saying don't tell people what you're thinking. I'm saying those who will show their cards to the table openly without anything, then let them show their cards. At least I know now what you're playing with. And and so I I think it's a little bit different with him um, because and we look at Kanye differently because of his influence and his platform. And so what do you do? What do you what did they try to do to Curl Taylor? Like Kurt Taylor? They took away his money. They they locked him out of bank accounts. They're going, Hey dude, you're you're off the rails. You need to stop because people are gonna lose. I mean, that's honestly what they were probably worried about more, not genocide towards a group of people, but probably that their stock and their business like Easy's are gonna drop in price or something like that. They were way more concerned with the dollar price of, of what damage he's doing with his words than they are about any real damage he could do to a group of people. Um, and I think that's how they attempted to curtail him, but, but then you just watch it go at it. You, you see all what it did, it just made things worse. And so that's that's kind of, how do you how do you stop this? And you stop it by having people next to you who are willing to pull you aside and, and take that time with you um and that's what kind of makes me sad about the Milo and, and Nick Fuentes thing about you can kind of see the group around them and I've listened to Kanye on, on Rogan and, and I think he's genuinely has a genuine he's a genuine person for sure I think he he says what he's thinking and feeling at, at most of the time I don't think he trolls that well I think he's he's very honest about who he is he, he's only, he wears everything on his sleeve I don't know so much about Milo or Nick. I think they're very strategic in what they say. Every play is a chess move. Um, and so for him to be surrounded by those two, not that I, people can say what they want about that. I don't know them that well. Um, I never really kept up with that stuff, the political stuff. But um, just seeing him on Tim Pool, or on TimCast, and, 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 and kind of hearing all the news that came out after him that's not a good people to be around. I would not put Kanye with those two in the same room um, just because it seems like he could be easily uh, molded to whatever they were looking to do. Because again, he wears his his heart on his sleeve. Um, sorry, that was a long rant. All I'm saying is I think when you, you attempt to curtail someone's speech, it, it oftentimes makes it worse instead of making it better. Like take away his money and now look, look what he's doing. And so um, I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: No, I, I think that there's some validity to that. <coughs> it, it, it doesn't seem like censorship, generally speaking, or what is now called deplatforming, is the most effective means to stop the bad ideas from propagating. In fact, it seems like these days it often has the opposite effect because what it usually or what it can signal in the minds of some people, particularly those who already kind of agreed with the speech that is presumed, at least by those who were the authors of the cancellation, let's say um, to be bad, is that actually there must be something true about it because the powers that be are heavily invested in suppressing or censoring the idea. So you had this kind of effect with the Hunter Biden laptop. You had a lot of political motivation on one side of the aisle to censor that story because it had obvious potential consequences for the outcome of a very close election, i.e. the 2020 election. Um, And so presumably that was motive for them to, to collude with big tech to censor a story and label it at least potential Russian disinformation. That is to say that built into that presumption is the idea that a foreign country is interfering with elections to have a bad outcome. And that bad outcome is defined in a very particular way, i.e. a Republican gets elected (laughs) because that was what was presumed to have happened in 2016. And that was the official uh, explanation for those on the left, those left of center, for why Hillary Clinton lost, embarrassingly, to Donald Trump then. It wasn't because Donald Trump got more votes fair and square. It was because the Russians interfered to ruin our country, because Trump is apparently bad, according to this view. On the other hand-
1: Can I stop you? I think it's hilarious Hillary. that the gameplay was pulled out of a 1980s movie. Um, <laughs> and I just thought that was the best. I was like, these people haven't, they, they're just, it's just okay that's fair yeah. enough let's let's do it 1980s oh, and, the, do it. and the
0: media drove that narrative with with no evidence for the longest time and it actually created a very interesting phenomenon i want to get into in a second that's related to the ineffectiveness of this but on the other side because i'm trying to be somewhat neutral um you had all kinds of political motivations to pump that story up because it had Um, I think, understandably, a very predictable outcome, which was that it was going to make the major candidate on the left, i.e. Joe Biden, look bad enough to effectively make Trump win. And the fact that it got suppressed by big tech became scandalous because it became obvious to those right of center, or at least this is their contention, uh, that dirty games were being played and and that unfair forms of collusion that were politically motivated were being utilized to keep the masses, the voting populace from knowing information about a major candidate that would basically decimate their chances of winning. And that's in some sense cheating. Um, And so the the fact that the media seemed to be in on it and then didn't cover that story until well after the election when it didn't matter anymore in terms of infecting the outcome of the 2020 election is scandalous AF. And now you have the new owner of Twitter and Elon Musk airing out that dirty laundry and a lot of people are kind of like see this is the proof this is what we've been saying a lot of people right of center have been saying this is exactly what we've been accusing big tech and particularly twitter of this entire time and now we have proof being aired out by elon musk and the fact that you have people in the government right now that's that's mostly run by democrats going after elon musk like he's some kind of criminal all of a sudden (laughs) It's, it's funny to watch these figures who used to be heroes of Democrats, become enemies of Democrats. Even Donald Trump himself <clears throat> has those has those pictures with Hillary Clinton and he was he was uh, celebrating by Barack Obama at one point. As Dude, being,
1: he was on he was on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I remember the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, this is great. I Donald, mean, Donald, alone, Donald the Trump was a,
0: was a titan of industry at one point. He was regarded yeah. as a mogul, he was regarded as a as an instantiation of the American dream and how you can be successful in America by Democrats, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And then no, all of a sudden he became public enemy number one. And Elon Musk is going through that kind of transformation right now. Like, the media, the left-leaning media in particular, has turned on him. The right-leaning media is now favoring him, which is really weird because they didn't really like him that much before. I mean, I guess in some sense they liked him because he was a billionaire and and to whatever extent they value whatever kind of, you know, rich, capitalistic values he instantiates. I think people right of center did value that. But, yeah. like... The fact that he was kind of posturing himself as kind of liberal, that kind of, he's trying to go green, a lot of a lot of people right said it didn't like that, and now they're embracing him because he is in, instantiating this kind of pro free speech stance. Yeah, I, I just I find all of that fascinating. But I've been ranting, but all that to say this: You're how this all this these current events interact with with the issue here is fundamentally. The controversy is about what the proper limitations should even be. It seems that even the free speech absolutists like Elon Musk acknowledge that there needs to be some limitations on people's speech. And even in our legal tradition, there's there's tacit acknowledgement there needs to be some limitations. You can't slander and libel people. Uh, one example that they give that I don't even know is accurate, legally speaking, is that you can't say fire in a crowded room. I don't know that that's even true, but I, I know that you can't that. slander and libel people. The burden yeah. of proof is high for those, but you can't do that. Um, there's That's some limitation of speech. And then like you can't like do things like have child pornography. To whatever extent place. that that counts as speech, That you can't do that. That's a limitation that I think is probably proper and most people would agree with on yeah. speech. It is designed to protect children who are very, very vulnerable in our society, among other things. Right. Yeah. But where but 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 you can also become too censorious. And so where is the proper line? And, and to what and, and where and where does hate speech fit in terms of drawing the proper lines? Like fundamentally, I think that's what that's it. that's what that issue. And I don't think it's obvious what the answers are. What do you think?
1: yeah i i don't think it's obvious at all um and you brought up a good a lot of times you know that that child porn the the art aspect of things well it's an art free speech and i can do whatever i want like whoa 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 whoa! no 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 we we there is a threshold that you you have to cross and i would say you're right even free speech to loser there's a line drawn in the sand somewhere in this and th- it's hard to find it because because those things tend to waver the, the difference between like the idea of um you know, putting out someone's address to dox them, quote unquote, is not an idea you're trying to share. Um, it's an it's an intention uh, f- for an incitement to violence. Like that would be that would be like what Elon talks about. Like you can say what you will, but you will not incite violence. Um, and that becomes its own category because if you incite violence, well, what's the definition of incite? You know, and then and what is actually considered considered violence? And these things these things have been rearing their heads for a while now um and i think our problem where we are today is is the widespread technology the the ability to have that in everyone's pocket and in their hands but without any real clear cohesion of of what means what um as the world has gotten smaller with technology we we we've lost so coherence like a, a, a common language a common ground um we don't have that thing anymore um even the idea of deciding what is violence um i mean you know speech is violence you know remember that whole thing that was going down like if your your speech is violent to me and you're like well hold on how is speech violence um because it does me psychological harm is it so is it psychological violence just saying things you know ben shapiro him walking into a podcast uh convention is violent to somebody his presence is violence um these
0: words are bizarre yeah go ahead sorry
1: well i'm just saying like we've lost cohesion on the most simple simple terms and simple ideas and i think because we have no we have no common ground to start off like what you said before like building the foundation and then as as you get up higher then you can go into more complicated things um and then kind of parse those out but because the foundation has eroded that we don't even know how to define things because everything and i have my own theories on this that we can get into but um but because there's no social cohesion at a basic level, yeah. um, all of this free speech absolutist stuff up at the top um, is going to teeter totter and fall over because we don't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like starting, you know, trying trying to start from, you know, thirty thousand up and, and find your way down to the the bottom is is where I think what we're doing right now. It, even podcasts like this, this is this is a good way for us to just kind of okay, how do we parse this out and pull it apart yeah. to the threads to see where it comes together. So, yeah,
0: yeah. A, a great point i mean we are exercising free speech right now yeah exactly. uh in a very particular way and if we wanted to presumably we could launch some anti-semitic tirades yeah we
1: could easily do. i'll <laughs> do it right now i'm just showing
0: <laughs> you better fucking not
1: <laughs> <laughs> i will um, cancel
0: no. you right away no i'm just kidding
1: I, uh, um, I, yeah no, i think but, I'll be okay. the-
0: presumably we could do that yeah. um i could publish that on youtube i probably get a strike or whatever but i could probably get away with publishing it on 4chan or some other source where people could see it. Um, Mm -hmm. I could share it um, with my friends uh, in in various different ways uh, to try to, you know, um, uh, avoid various different tactics of censorship. Um, But like, Even if I was censored, it's not clear that it would prevent to your point earlier that it would prevent the ideas from spreading. In many cases, what it does is it it motivates people to spread the ideas even further because part of their argument becomes this must be true because the powers that be that don't want you to know this thing are are actively trying to suppress it because they know it's true. And that becomes this kind of weird effect of like now the ideas are propagating even more. and, and so there's a kind of weird catch-22 with it because at the same time, you it's like, you don't want it to just run freely because it also spreads that way. But then like your attempts to censor it also help it spread in various ways.
1: Oh, hold on, hold on. Back up on that last point. I don't know if that's absolutely true. Um, I think light is, I know it's a cliche, light is the best disinfectant. And letting ideas like that roam freely, I don't know if they spread very well that way. Um, unless they're, and this is where it goes to like the powers of beer, are, telling me to stop that's that's an issue you know the quote unquote uh powers to be um trying to change the way people are talking is an issue but they also back things up like if you look at nazi germany it wasn't so much that people had this you know this one guy had this idea and then all of a sudden he was out in the street you know giving his speeches and then people started going yeah yeah you know what he's right yeah we we got yeah, he's right that's not what happened um he was charismatic and, and then he got power and then he used the power to actually force what he was saying and it's the I know it sounds like the opposite of you know the government saying, Oh no, no, you can't say this, but it's not. It's literally no, 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 you can't you can't say the, the, the Jewish people are good people. That's not you know what I'm saying? Like it's the same well, thing. And would so be more if you like, let it run free. Oh, well, I,
0: I think I think it would be I think a better example to exemplify what people are worried about is like what happened um with the discourse on Muslims in the wake of nine eleven. There was okay. a very pernicious discourse in our American society that I shamefully admit that even I got caught up in as a very ignorant, stupid ninth grader. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I'm not, I want to I want to just be okay. open yeah. and honest about that. I adopted very bad, ignorant views about the motivations of Middle Eastern people and and Muslim people in the wake of that horrific tragedy. Because I, in my very stupid ninth, ninth grader brain, saw this damage, and I ate up what the what the, the kind of discourse on it was, which was that these evil people who are quote unquote terrorists and hate America did this to us, and we need to go get those evil bad people, and some of them live amongst us, and we need to we need to search them in airports because they're suicide bombers and all that kind of stuff. It created all of these pejorative stereotypes of a group of people that I did not understand. And I had no, no frame of reference for why those views were problematic because I didn't understand. I didn't understand their culture. I didn't understand what made a Pakistani different uh, from uh, a, a person that lives in Saudi Arabia. I didn't. They, all of them were just in that area yeah. where the bad people live, where the terrorists come from. And that's fucking problematic, and I'm deeply embarrassed that I thought that, but I thought that, and I wasn't the only one. A lot of people in America thought that. That's why Middle Eastern-looking people used to get the side-eye at airports. That shit was a stereotype that was it became yeah. pervasive, and it propagated in our society. And it was driven in a lot of ways by the media. And in the government and by a kind of moral panic and and because it because it was re- reified by legit what we would regard as legitimate sources that have our national interests at heart it 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 gave a kind of validation to a form of prejudice that to this day still negatively impacts groups of people and i didn't understand that in my dumb ninth grade brain i thought yeah. that i was I was in line with the official narrative and so therefore I was justified. And that that kind of thing is what people are afraid of. Dude, when that it comes keeps to happening that today idea. though.
1: Yeah, but I know. That's, but but that's not but that's again it's it's a it's okay, so let's let's bring this up. You're right. Um it was a bad idea. But it was also backed up the the, the 9/11 thing backed up by media, backed up by common uh, consensus of America. Enough to we went to war and people were like, yeah, let's go to war. Like how do you how do you and, and so my point behind that, if, if you were to actually flip that on its head. All right. So what was, what would be the thing? What would be the thing? They obviously the government wasn't trying to uh, squash anti-Arab uh, hate. They weren't trying to do that. They were, they are you know, literally drumming people up to want to go to war. Um, they were so what would be
0: squash anti-American hate.
1: Anti, exactly. So, so if you were to, if you were to say, well, well then what's the bad idea that, that could have went around um, that they didn't like? And I can tell you what it was because I remember I remember this. It was 9-11. So this might get you flagged on YouTube. 9-11 was an inside job, quote-unquote, like that thing. Yeah. Now, if I was the government, I'd be like, no, 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 that speech right there, we can't have any of that. If you were to let that roam, along with the anti, if you were to let those two ideas contend and battle each other, which the internet kind of allowed that to happen. And now, because the internet has allowed that, people look at things differently. They look at, look, everything's a little bit more skeptical. I'm like, well... know i don't know about this thing or i don't know about you know this uh uh benghazi thing kind of looks weird and it's like well good we should start looking at things with a very skeptical eye and any major idea of a narrative which even like the covid thing like a lot of nuance was involved in that because the internet allowed ideas bad ones and good ones to compete and roughhouse it was the problem became when you weren't allowed to say things like did was it an inside job Where where was W on that day. What was going on here? Um, because you weren't allowed to do that, you had one narrative. And I think anytime there's one narrative, again, the the social cohesion is a foundation, and then let everything else play on top of that. We know what we we all knew 9-11 was bad. No one's saying it was good on both spectrums. It's just a bad thing all around. But the conversation can build off the idea: well, this is something we don't want to happen. This, but what happened that day? Who's really at fault? Now that's something built upon um, a foundation that we all agree. You now, if there's people out there going, you know that 9-11 thing was kind of cool. Now we have a problem. Well, there are
0: we people. To, there are people who th- who felt that way. They were the more extremists. Yeah, I, the, I would say death, that the death to America crowd. But, for sure, but bring them bring them to the table. but that, Let's wait, talk but, about it. but it's but but no, but it's not that simple, dude. Because because one it's thing that we have to contend with one thing we have to contend with is the is the human propensity for conflict that yeah. that precludes the possibility for civil discourse i like when i fundamentally do not fuck with those people right i just do not fuck with them bringing us to the table to have a conversation about shit is not possible bro like i'm done it would be like you've reached the point in 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 your marriage where it's like divorce now i don't want to hear it right like at that point coming together to discuss your future together is like it's it's it, we're, we're past that point we're just done that's why you hear talk of like a you know peaceful divorce in america there are a lot of people who are at that point right now with our kind of uh, uh you know cold civil war that we have going on right now and it's because a lot of animosity has been fueled to the point where people are just done they're just like those people who are whatever by whatever their definition of criteria are antithetical to my side or antithetical to me i don't fuck with them so like you had people who were understandably pissed off about the ways in which America had moved in foreign countries to destabilize foreign countries, to invade them, to get their oil and shit like that, right? America has committed a whole bunch of atrocities in the Middle East. So when Middle Eastern people say death to America, they mean that shit because their lives have been colored by American interference in their political structures and in their societies. And they know that shit and they don't fuck with it. They don't fuck with it. And I understand that. That is not an endorsement of 9-11, but I understand the motivation. I don't endorse the motivation. I don't condone the motivation, but I understand the motivation because I understand that America has perpetrated injustices. Now, when you understand that and how that colors, how they perceive us, then it's easier to understand why people were cheering when those towers fell. It wasn't all Muslims. In fact, it was a a very small minority of Muslims, uh, of of, of people of, of Islam or whatever, who are extremist jihadist types. But like part of what fueled the bad, the propagation of the bad ideas was that bad blood right so now you have an atrocity that's committed against innocent people in America because America has gotten away with a bunch of atrocities in the Middle East and now that instance 9/11 got weaponized politically to motivate a war in an area by which we were able to procure even more control of foreign oil because we needed it. We justified invading a country that didn't even have any nuclear weapons based on some bullshit intel, and most people didn't know that shit because it came from official sources like the fucking yeah. CIA, right? Like we know that now, hindsight's twenty twenty, but we didn't know that shit at the time. And at the time, I, as a dumbass ninth grader, was like, "Yeah, fuck them. We're going to war because they blew up some buildings I've never even seen in real life." Like I, that's how because because I internalized this. They attacked us. That patriotic shit. Like, I internalized that shit, and I didn't understand that I was being manipulated at the time because I was a dumbass ninth grader. And You're I thought, a ninth and I thought sense, there's nothing wrong with I know that, but what I'm saying is there were a lot of grown ass motherfuckers that fell for it just the same.
1: Yeah, and they no, were just as
0: dumb as me in ninth grade, as far as falling yeah.
1: for that. Right. Well, you have to, I still think, I think even at that time, it was the deterioration of uh, a common. I mean, I don't know how, because even the, if you think about, I wasn't alive in the '60s and '70s, but the anti-war movement, um, that whole thing, people distrusted the government pretty quick back then. And I don't know, maybe it started then. People just started it, the trust in that official narrative has started to erode so drastically. But here's what I'll say: um, even, even, I didn't know anything. I was a ninth grader too. Uh, I was about that. I was in maybe in tenth grade. I can't remember. um Even if you. I don't know anything about that war. I don't know if my parents knew anything about what was going on over there about uh, America's influence in the Middle East that would have led people in that part of the world to be so fiercely mad at Americans to to do what they did. I don't know I don't know if anybody knew about it. And because they weren't at the table and and people in the Middle East, maybe they were, maybe they were shouting at the top of the their lungs going. Hey, America's doing some weird stuff over here, or, or bad stuff, and they're they're killing our people, and people are getting mad because that that whole speech right there, if that was given more light, then maybe Americans would have been a little bit more skeptical when something happened, and nine eleven might not even ever happened if you would have gave the people a, a release, made the world known to a voice that was being squashed, and again, so it goes back to the free speech thing. When is the official narrative? Well, let's not talk about the Middle East, and then all of a sudden nine eleven happens like well because they weren't even at the table and when you do that when you squash people and shove them down and keep them marginalized at least keep their voices marginalized what what do you expect to happen and that's my and that's what i'm saying if we're going to try to solve this problem and we have the internet now so now we're dealing with a whole new card game how do you how do you solve you you at least let the bad thing let the voices be heard and if they're bad we the more you squash it dude, the more it comes down to it again the more you you silence people The more they're going to have to find other avenues to come out, you know,
0: I I hear and I'm not
1: just hopefully I'm not justifying, you know, well, now that I think about it, 9-11 was kind of no, I'm not saying (laughs) that. um, What I I don't I
0: think that that would be too far. But what I what I am saying to, to try to tease out nuance is America was guilty of perpetrating a lot of atrocities. To, yeah. the, to the groups of people who were motivated retalii- in, in a kind of retaliatory fashion to do that thing. That thing that they did in retaliation is not justified. It's still yeah. bad. But we understand what their motivations were because they were retaliating in a certain way. If yeah. you understand that context, then you can understand their motivation. That's not the same thing as condoning it, right? So that's the yeah. nuance. It's understanding the motivation for an atrocity but not condoning it. Like and that's kept. and that's yeah and that's where i am i would never condone the murder of innocent people because america did some fucked up shit. america needs to pay for the fucked up shit that they did they need to be held accountable but you don't murder people and like because then it becomes. i mean in microcosm it becomes the same thing as like gang warfare you shoot up some of my homies i go shoot up some of your homies and then you shoot up some of my <laughs> homies and we just do this endless circle yeah. like that shit is not cool so like morally it's hard to justify that but to go to the point that i want to make I still fundamentally think that there's a controversy here in terms of what you're saying about letting letting the bad speech out and letting the so to speak marketplace of ideas. You didn't invoke that term, but that's usually no, what it's but invoked. Yeah, letting letting the marketplace of ideas do its work. Because here's the thing, sadly, and history kind of is a testament to this. It's not even a guarantee that the good ideas are going to win. It's not in the marketplace of ideas. And 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 we're talking. Suppression and media tactics and government manipulation aside, just pure laissez-faire marketplace of ideas is not even guaranteed that the good ideas are going to win out. Um, It's going to be a function of the collective intelligence that we have. It's going to be a function of how susceptible to bias that we are. It's going to be a function of the differences in power dynamics. Some people have an outsized voice in our discourse, not because they're more right, but because they have more power. And and sometimes you have people who don't have power who have the right ideas, but they don't get they don't go as far, they don't propagate as far, or they're perceived as not coming from legitimate sources because they're coming from the downtrodden who don't have the authoritativeness and the credibility that comes with having certain kinds of power, like that comes with what comes with being a part of the fucking CIA, or comes with being an official like the president of the United States, or comes with being uh you know, a part of a multinational corporation that has business dealings in all in all the countries. Like we associate and confer legitimacy on all of those status symbols. And regular motherfuckers like you and I on the internet are not gonna have that same status symbol. Now, yeah. now to, to complicate things to your point, we're we're now seeing a generation of people who are who are who are looking at this generally speaking, not universally more nuanced and they're recognizing that just because you're the CIA doesn't make you right we got examples historically the CIA has been full of shit we got examples recently of the government saying a whole bunch of shit that didn't add up like Uh the fact that coronavirus supposedly didn't leak from a lab and now all of a sudden it looks like yeah that shit might have leaked from a lab and on top of that the US government was was funding gain-of-function research under Dr Fauci that looks bad like Like, and then all of, like, like, there's been so many things that were, like, dismissed as, like, conspiracy theories that turned out actually is probably true. Like, that kind of shit, people recognize that shit. And, like, and on both sides, by the way, it's not just the right. It's the right more now in contemporary times. But the left has a whole bunch of examples of when the government, the left-leaning government, told us some bullshit. And they're like, bruh, that shit ain't true. And usually it's, it's like, the, the left will recognize the ways that we had official narratives in terms of why we were in foreign countries doing certain things like we're policing the world or we're trying to like spread democracy but really we were trying to get some oil or really we were we we're trying to make sure that we we're the only ones that have nukes or yeah. really what we were trying to do is we were trying to like open up another fucking military base and destabilize the fucking the communist party of some whatever country because we didn't want them to challenge us and, and our superpower uh, status like we we have all kind or, or 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 we wanted to control some kind of economic system that to our benefit like yeah. like so people on the left are even disillusioned by all of that to the extent that they know any of that shit because democrats have been warmongering for decades <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now you have this weird flip that a lot of these a lot of these anti-war leftists are now like pro-ukraine it's shit is yeah. weird i'm like yeah. what is happening right now like but also you have people on the right who are like All for limited government and stuff like that, and they were calling for like, like big tech to be like reined in and like big government to step in and be like, hey, big tech, you can't do that. Like, 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 there's been 180s on both sides, bro. And I can go, I can go more with with Republicans how they've switched up. Uh, But I don't want to talk too much. I want to get you in. What what, what do you think about all of that? I said a lot, but what do you think about any of that?
1: I was thinking the whole time. Man, I think you're spot on. Um, And again, I think again, it goes back to the narrative. I'm a bit white pilled and. For those who listen might not white it's just optimistic I'm, I'm very optimistic about the future um for the most part in general speaking because that nuanced and that narrative that that constant you know like well we only had four news stations and you know walter cronkite gave us the truth and we know it because it's because it's the truth and you're like well how does you feel
0: like okay cronkite, you know what i mean all right
1: yeah i would be like okay well but now we live in a day and age where even the people who held the narrative the blue checks quote unquote
0: Remember, I mean, remember, remember the days of Larry King. I believed Larry. Yeah, King. <laughs> I mean,
1: I still do. I don't know. About, I still do. Um, I'm a little. Stuck I don't know in about Tucker Carlson no, though. That's a different. Uh, <laughs> or, I don't. Or
0: Don Lemon. I don't know about them.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. And this is why, like, and we've seen this over the past few years. And and this is where it goes back to. The, let's go back to the marketplace of ideas. You did say something that I thought, and I took note of it. It's not always a guarantee the marketplace of ideas that the best idea will will out. You know. But it's the only place we have a chance, Um, because at any point in time where that marketplace of ideas is starting to be controlled by anything, um, that control, like you said, those ideas start to shift hands. All of a sudden you're a Democrat and you're like, you know, war is bad. Wait, oh, no, we're signing up for this Ukraine thing. Okay, never mind. Let me change the flag in my bio. You know, it's like now Now war is good. No,
0: (laughs) war is great.
1: Um, and war so it's, is, it's,
0: it would be immoral not to go to war. <laughs> and this is—we
1: <laughs> <for, laughs> that's to, legit.
0: I've legit heard that. Um, yeah, legit. Well, we're, that, we're technically not at war. We're funding we're, war efforts. When have we, we ever, ever done war, that before? We, um,
1: we've never ever funded war efforts anyway. But my point, my point being, um, that marketplace idea is—it it starts to bring the idea under scrutiny and not so much who's saying it. And I think, I think I'd rather that part the emperor everyone's starting to realize that the quote-unquote emperors are aren't wearing any clothes and the more that happens by exposing and going you know let's talk about let's talk about ivermectin or something like that and everyone's like oh boy here we go it's like well the more that happens wait wait i gotta i gotta even if it was a bad even if it is legit horse even if it doesn't help at all Mm -hmm. having that in the marketplace of ideas would it at least shows who's telling you not to, and then you do reason. People are, all I'm saying is people are starting to look into things on their own. And I think that's overall healthy. I think that's overall better.
0: Epistemologically, I I, I think, to steal menu, epistemologically, I think there is some value we can recognize in the presence among among all of the ideas we can choose from of bad ideas to whatever extent we have the ability as a collective to distinguish bad ideas from good ideas because what the presence of a bad idea would do is it would it would inform us about what not to do yeah and so that that can be epistemologically useful right Mm -hmm. um for the same reason that that failed science experiments are valuable because now we know at least one way not to do this thing Right, so there's there's some epistemological value and therefore derivatively from that there's some political value in the presence of bad ideas to whatever extent we have the ability to recognize them the problem is or one of the problems is there are legitimate questions about our ability collectively to actually adjudicate properly and distinguish bad ideas from good ideas one and two there is the problem that I think a lot of people left of center are more jaded by and more, I think they typically are more willing to recognize, which is that it seems like the marketplace itself is rigged. Mm, It seems like there are outsized influences in the marketplace that don't make it level. And it and and it has biases built into it for certain kinds of ideas to get a bigger weight than they deserve. And if you're if and and if that mechanism is itself corrupted, then depending on that mechanism, doesn't make it makes a lot less sense to do that and i think fundamentally what what the what the hate speech crowd is preoccupied by are various forms of i think credible evidence that the marketplace of ideas ain't as level as i think people right up center typically describe it that there are there are biases built into that marketplace and there are monopolies on certain kinds of ideas built into that marketplace and a lot of the people who have good ideas, who don't have power, their ideas get dismissed so easily, so regularly, that what are the chances of those ideas making it to the top, right? Well, like, can you give an
1: can you give an example? Um, so I have, I'm, cause I'm thinking about it in my head but I'm not, I don't know a good so, one that I can base this off.
0: So historically speaking, we have, um, we have, we have the concept of slavery, I used this earlier, right? Okay. So yeah, yeah. There, there was an, there was a very dominant idea that we call now white supremacy, that there was something uh, inherently superior about being white and, and, and by contrast, that there was something that made you inherently inferior if you weren't white, particularly if you were black. And, and, that, and that there were all kinds of politically motivated and economically motivated justifications for why you get to treat a person with dark skin in certain ways. Because it legitimized an entire institution that we depended on economically for various different reasons for an extended period of time. It had all kinds of social implications, et cetera, right? And political implications, right? That that very bad idea was dominant for an extended period of time, partly because there was an outsized weight given to white people who promulgated that idea and who benefited from that idea. And all of the people who were black who repudiated that idea and even some of the white people who were in the minority who repudiated that idea and challenged that idea, they didn't get that same level of, of impact on our discourse for an extended period of time. Right. That might be one historical example of how yeah. bad ideas got <coughs> raised to the top and better ideas got suppressed. Right. Well, what and it if, would be. Well, go ahead
1: what if what if it wasn't raised to the top because we're talking about a biased marketplace for sure but it doesn't seem like bad ideas got raised to the top it seems that the bad idea was at the top and then slowly over time the good idea fought in the marketplace and found its way to the top and now has expunged that bad idea for the most part and now sits supreme and i say that because it seems to be and we saw that in our day and age we saw the internet come about i was both of us i think you're ninth grade we were both born before the internet but before yeah. then even another example that i would use of the good ideas moving to the top is before the internet really what we saw was the printing press which happened about 1500 and at the same time as that happened you have the catholics and Protestants splitting um and that caused a ton of damage on its own catholics killing Protestants, Protestants killing catholics and so on and so forth but that was the difference of, of another marketplace that was biased and then all of a sudden Someone threw a, a not a good idea. They threw a printing press in the middle of the marketplace and go, all right, now let's see how, how bad an, uh, bad ideas and good ideas went out. And when you do stuff like that, and then you, you rehash, uh, rehash it up with like the internet, this constantly seems to keep coming up in, in our civilization. And I'll say this because it seems even no matter what, if the marketplace is going to be there regardless, even if it's biased or even if it's counterweighted with someone sitting supreme, as long as we constantly have that, you know, the reevaluation or someone throwing a printer press or the internet or Twitter, as long as we keep having those renters come in, it seems that society in life has gotten better over that time, like gradually gotten better and better and better. I know it's a dumb argument. I'm just saying in a wide spectrum of range, civilization has gotten is 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 better now than it was a thousand, two thousand years ago because of the marketplace of ideas was allowed to win. Um, but and that's I, I not only a, because of that. I'm just saying that yeah. seems to be a common, but skill there note. may
0: be a, uh, there may be a, an alternative explanation. So I, I do Go think back. that there, uh, intuitively that there have been, there are a lot of ways in which our society has improved. So for example, I cannot legally be, uh, owned by another person. Uh, as a black person and 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 the idea that white people are inherently superior to every other race is, is, is fallen out of popularity, way out of popularity to the point where anybody who espouses that idea now is likely to receive overwhelming disdain from yeah. most people, even white people. They don't fuck with that shit, yeah. even to whatever extent they have unconscious biases. They would never explicitly like praise a person who thought something like that. Yeah. Most white people wouldn't. Um, Sadly, we have a a minority of people who think that, but most people don't. So that is an improvement from the days that I'm talking about. The fact that I can't be held as a slave uh, outside, I guess, of the context of being a convicted felon um, as a black. And it's definitely not even by race because anybody who's a convicted felon can be can can be treated that way, whether they're white or not. um, is an improvement in some in some sense, even though it's not perfect. I get that. However, an alternative explanation might be that actually what happened. To make the ideas race to the top is that all of the things that were suppressing those good ideas were removed, right? And 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 that's what I'm saying. And the, like the biases that are that were built into that and had implications for the power dynamics, right? Those got slowly but surely chipped away at and reversed over time. Well, how did, now you how- can say.
1: How did, they, how did they get removed or chipped yeah, away? So you
0: could, what I was going to say is that you can say that part of the mechanisms of chipping away at those things was the fact that the good ideas started to win out slowly but surely over time. I don't mind that. But what I'm trying to point out is the fact, the fact that the system is capable of being corrupted in such a way as the bad ideas were able to be at the top in the first place is an indictment of that mechanism in general. And the, if, if, it could, if it could be corrupted in the past, why can't it be corrupt now?
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it, I'm not saying it's not corrupt now. I'm saying over time, it's it's evolving to become better. And I, that's what I'm saying. I, I think I think I don't think it's perfect. Right? Obviously, it's not perfect. We're having a conversation about this right now. And and I mean, we have Twitter so we can understand that this is not a perfect system. We're actually trying to figure out me and you right now trying to figure out what is the perfect system. Where's the threshold? Yeah. I'm just saying because of because of, you know, a thousand years ago or the, or, uh, 5, you know, five hundred years or whatever. Um, with the printing press has led us to this conversation right now. And I'm just saying, like, I, I don't think there was a, a marketplace at all. I think there was power, and the power kept kept ideas where they wanted to be. And as soon as you opened up a marketplace like the internet or like the printing press, or people started people were able to start talking about things, you know, Martin Luther nails 95 pieces on on the doors, and everyone's kind of walking by being like, what is this monk talking about? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I can't well, read the Bible. You know, stuff like that. I'm just saying. It's a simplistic. idea I, okay. I'm I want to push.
0: It. I want to push back in a very sincere way. This is not me being okay, an yeah, yeah. advocate. Which is, I actually think that every marketplace is involves power dynamics. There is not a, such oh, a yeah. thing as a marketplace without power dynamics. Easily. Yeah. Now you can you can devise a marketplace in theory where the power dynamics are more or less even or equal um but i don't think that marketplaces are inherently designed <coughs> that way or inherently are constructed that way in fact i think historically we have a lot of evidence that most marketplaces now we're talking about one of ideas but i'm just talking yeah. about marketplaces as an abstract idea concept mm-hmm. like market most marketplaces are actually really robustly defined by the the, the prevailing power dynamics of their time yes. and i think that that's no less true now in 2022 than it than it was back you know the 1600s, 1700s uh when slavery was alive and well in the united states um now i think that the power dynamics are not the same exactly the same there there's been a lot of different shifts in various different ways but i think that there are whole that whatever the prevailing power dynamics are and however they lean and however they're lopsided now in 2022 yeah. they have an impact on which voices get heard yeah. now in 2022 and so that to me is an is an undermining fact that people who are preaching the marketplace of ideas as a solution need to contend with, because because I think a lot of times they're they're naive about how corrupted that marketplace can be.
1: Yeah. Uh. Yeah. You, I think I have a, a bad answer. <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean,
0: hey, we're just trying. Maybe I, maybe yeah. I have a bad answer to. Maybe my actually. <laughs> I
1: no, I think you're right, but I also don't know if I would. This goes back to that. I don't know if I would actually want to remove that power dynamic completely because we talked about this we all know that there's some things that shouldn't be said online or should be shared online there's a threshold and if you remove all power dynamic that power dynamics probably number one it creates a vacuum someone's going to take the spot and number two you don't really this is this is why i'm a terrible libertarian i'll tell you why um is I I think when it comes to freedom requires the people participating in freedom to take up an exorbitant amount of responsibility, mm-hmm. and I don't know if people are inclined to want to have that responsibility. Um, and so, uh, so we tend to sell off our freedoms with with the government taking over the responsibility, and so we, or, or at least society. There's certain rules that you can can cannot do, even in the marketplace of ideas. There's certain ideas that we're just we're not going to tolerate. Um, and I don't know if that's bad again. And I think
0: well, this. I agree. I, I, agree. I, I
1: agree. And this comes back to, and this is why I get real weary of anybody who's like, nope, free for all, you know, let, let straight anarchy is I'm not much of an anarchist. Um, and I think about, uh, GK Chesterton has this quote where he talks about, um, there's a fence in the woods and when you come upon it, always ask why that fence was there before you remove it. And the whole point is being like, never just run in with a wrecking ball, always analyze, look at things. And if it's a bad power dynamic, someone's in charge that shouldn't be then yeah, you have you have reason and way and thoughtfulness to get that out of there. But just to run <laughs> in and go, if, if it was Elon, and Elon was like, hey, buddy, open door, Twitter is whatever you want. Yeah. things allowing a lot of bad people to share a lot of bad stuff. And when I say bad stuff, I'm talking like bad, bad. like
0: bad Yeah, people. like child porn, which so, is exactly. something he's been trying to clear up. And, he's no, been to you, you,
1: and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's good.
0: Yeah, I don't either. So I, I agree. You make a good point that's very intriguing in this discussion that I want to contend with, which is – just the existence of power dynamics is not inherently bad. Having, in, in, in fact, there there are all kinds of practical necessities to having hierarchical structures in a lot of the thing in a lot of facets of our society, including marketplaces writ large, right? Yeah. So you would want to have some kind of regulation or rules. What is in bounds? What is out of bounds in terms of like economic marketplaces, for example? Yeah. Um, To whatever extent that they're not corrupted, you would want to have the SEC be able to step in and be like, that's insider fucking trading. You can't do that. That's out of bounds. Blow the whistle. Right? And and you you can extrapolate this to any kind of enterprise of human endeavor. It can be something as innocuous as basketball. We have referees whose job it is to judge whether or not any kind of violation of the gameplay has taken place and to act accordingly. And and that they have an outsized power. There's a power dynamic at play because the referees have the ability to get the ball to the other team, (laughs) even if you don't want to, or even if you don't agree that you didn't travel, or you didn't double dribble, or or your shot was legal, or whatever. Right? You didn't foul. Like, so you you need to have some kind of regulation in order to maximize the positive impacts of most in uh, uh, domains of human yeah. endeavor. This is especially true of marketplaces, you need to have some kind of regulation of the enterprise. This is true when it comes to traffic and the flow of traffic, we have street lights, we have stop signs, we have rules that uh, that enable and maximize the effectiveness of people to be able to drive to and from is it perfect? No, people violate the rules Sometimes we still have car accidents. But by and large, it works, right? Yeah. Um, so I would apply that to the marketplace of ideas. You would want to have some kind of structure, some kind of system. Mm-hmm. Um even if it's but, but what you really want I, and I think I I didn't articulate this very clearly before, what you want is lack of corruption of that process. And what you also want is it to be equitable because that has implications for the fairness of the enterprise. So if you had something as simple as a system of upvotes for ideas, Mm-hmm. and i'm bringing it in kind of to the to our contemporary times uh something like reddit so you have an idea that's expressed and then you have everybody has the ability to give an upvote and the those ideas that get the most upvotes are the ones that raise to the top and everybody sees them more and the ones that yep. get the down votes get raised to the bottom right there's a power dynamic there yep. and you in order to have your ideas be seen you need to convince enough people to upvote your shit, right yep. so that's not inherently corrupt because there's a power dynamic but if you give certain people an outsized ability to get up votes because they have a blue check mark on Twitter or some shit,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Then you're, playing,
0: yeah. Yeah, then you're playing games of power dynamics in a way that's not necessarily equitable. What justification can you have in giving some random motherfucker with a blue check mark who, who got that shit because they know some people, as opposed to with actual merit, they actually earned it. They actually demonstrated maybe um uh an above average competence in their ability to be a reporter or their ability to source information or whatever, right? Yeah. like that is the corruption that we don't want right so the power dynamics to whatever extent there's inequity they got to be justified typically by competence or an outsized about you know like like a propensity for leadership or a propensity for competence that's like higher than the average person then we might justify the inequity in that sense in the same way that we justify the referee's ability to take the ball from a certain team because their whole job is to regulate the enterprise right so we give yeah, them yeah. certain powers that other people can have and this is the same this is the same thing with our division of powers and the structure of our government itself we give the yeah. president certain powers that nobody else has but he doesn't have all the power congress has powers the president doesn't have and then you have the, ju- the judicial branch the supreme court in particular that has powers that neither of those two have so yeah. that division of power is justified because we don't want any one of them to be corrupt. And if one of them is corrupt, the other two can compensate. That 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 is built into the very fabric of our society. Is it perfect? No, we still have government corruption. But like we have the ability to curtail that corruption built into the system. Yeah. Definitely. Right. So, yeah. like, I so I, I think I, I elaborated maybe a little bit too much, but I think your point struck a nerve with me because it pointed out uh one very simple thing, which is that that. Power dynamics are not inherently corrupt. They're corruptible, though, and we yeah. want to make sure that, to whatever extent we have power dynamics, that they're justified, they're rational, and that they preserve the equity that's possible in that domain. Yeah, what do you think about that?
1: Uh, I I one hundred percent agree. Um, I think that the government was a good example. Um, actually, I like the Reddit example too. Um, I think that works at least as at least if if a society functions, it kind of gives a voice of going, okay, we're all we're all thinking the same thing maybe if we're not saying it and then when someone you know posts a Reddit and then it gets a ton of upvotes, you go, okay, so maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not alone. Maybe this is a, a good idea. And you start to look at things a little bit differently, even if it wasn't your idea or if it's not something you would be most inclined to, um, to look at. And I like that. I I don't know if you're ever going to, there's that idea of utopia, like the, the perfect system, the incorruptible power dynamic. I don't know if that's ever going to be possible, um, and I think because I, I believe people are people have the the uh, propensity of corruption themselves. So until people become righteous in in some divine sense, all man together in the Garden of Eden or something, then maybe. But even then, corruption was allowed. You know what I'm saying? That was so. What's was, your power I, dynamic?
0: I agree. I agree I, with that.
1: Do you see what I'm saying? Another? I'm just saying, but the power I, I dynamic say... is people.
0: I, well I would well par, yeah partially but 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 like part of what makes it equitable is is if every person has an equal say. Yeah. Right? And and yeah. and that's that's kind of fundamental to a democracy. That that's yeah. kind of what we yeah. like. Um I agree. However, what I wanted to point out was to the point that you just made. Um even even if it's not possible to to achieve the utopia i think it can still serve a purpose as an ideal to strive towards right Mm -hmm. in the same way that i don't think that there are any perfect people but we can have an idealized version of what it means to be a really good person Mm -hmm. and that person would presumably be a perfect person and i'm not perfect i've already made mistakes so (laughs) case closed i'm not perfect yeah yeah (laughs) but striving towards that ideal is still is still valuable, and so so the idealism, even though idealism can become its own kind of, it has its own pitfalls. Yep. But I think the where it goes right or where it's useful is you're striving towards something, you're trying to get as close to the ideal as possible, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what we want to preserve in terms of our ideals in, in the context of how we how we how we function as a society. Is we is we have certain ideals of democracy, we have certain ideals of civil discourse, we have certain ideals for equity um, and freedoms and liberties sometimes these things even clash but like striving and trying to get as close to those things as possible i think is still valuable
1: i think so and i but i think it's naturally going to happen um and and i say not without effort for sure there's people out there doing if everyone if all the smart people just decide to be quiet for a day we'd have a real big issue right like oh that would be a problem um and i say i say that as an i'm one of the people that would be talking the loudest if that ever happened uh there, there's an idea. What you're saying is is good because there's a math uh, there's a math thing. There's a name for it where there's um you know a, a steady straight line and a line that's uh, lean going and they're 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 consistently moving closer together, right? I don't As- know, if you know asymptote. Yeah, where they constantly but they'll never ever in an affinity ever touch because that that's the line a, can an asymptote. Yeah. I think I'm right. not again. Oh, if I only, I only remember that from talking, like
0: tenth like grade or something, and it had yeah. ass in it. And that was the funniest <laughs> shit to me. I was a very immature tenth grade. Awesome, that asymptote. I was like, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> what did you say? She's like, asymptote.
1: Can we I study like, this? Oh, every we'll every never week. Yeah. forget this word. <laughs> um, but that's the same concept. We'll never hit the line. We'll never meet, but we are moving closer together. And I and where the, I go,
0: I told the teacher to kiss my asymptote. <laughs> 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 it's anyone. I don't know how I made it this far in life.
1: <laughs> no, that's fine. I don't know. I don't know how I've. Uh... Yeah. I didn't even remember. That's, that's, I'm pretty (laughs) sure I I did the same thing. I just forgot about it. Um, Uh, yeah. And I think when it comes to the best ideas, uh, here's something to think about because you talked about the power dynamic and, and this is why I think everything's somewhat getting better because everything is corrupt. You know, everything can be corruptible. And if you look at Twitter right now, like say, so what's the best possible scenario is to, to not have a power dynamic. You know we have rules on Twitter for certain things because certain things are bad. Would you say in ten years? And this is where I get this is this is where I start to go. Oof, you know if 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 we stop if we silence anything then it could be bad. If, but if we stop talking and exposing these ideas or at least contending these ideas, then it's then it could be problematic. But in ten years, Twitter, all those things that are rules against it now, going hey you can't say this or you can't post that. If we progress into a better utopia a lot of people would be like, well, finally remove that fence and now we can. And I'm saying, I, I think the better ideas float to the top because even now we're, you know, a thousand years later, whereas it might've been like, well, well, it's, you know, it's fine, you know, in Greek days. Now that idea has risen to the top and it's, it holds its platform there. We don't want to see uh, kids exploited, And so that's my point. Like, I think the ideas tend to, the better ones that we know, maybe our moral compass is just getting more, refined but those better ideas i don't think the, that that's necessarily true folder. i i it might I'm not a, be it's just a i'm theory. a little
0: bit more blackfield than you maybe yeah but I, I i i think that i think that there are a lot of instances where good ideas do race to the top and we have a history of that but we also have a lot of instances where the opposite is true where bad ideas race to the top and so i don't think that it's a guarantee. do you I think, I don't that think that happens with corruption about, though I do, but, I, but I, what I'm saying is there's nothing about the progression of time that precludes the possibility of corruption. Mm-hmm. And, and corruption reinvents itself. There's new forms of corruption that are invented. So one of them is that instantiated into the very ecosystem of Twitter itself. You had a situation pre-Elon Musk where a certain political faction had an outsized influence on the discourse and they were, and they were leveraging that power to promote people who are ideologically aligned with them. And then lying about it and now are being exposed for it. Now there's no guarantee that Elon Musk is going to be in some sense uncorruptible. He may be corrupt in the other direction. He may be corrupt in a different way, right? Because he has different interests clearly than the people who formerly ran Twitter. Doesn't mean that he that doesn't mean that Twitter's going to be perfect all of a sudden. Um, it's still corruptible under Elon Musk. It may even be it may eventually even be corruptible in the same way as it was before. I don't know. Yeah. But like the idea that just because time has progressed, that, that our understanding has improved, I think is a bad assumption. I think that there are so many things that, that make it possible for us to go awry in our contemporary times, particularly when it comes to our ability to evaluate and determine what ideas are good as a collective and what ideas are bad. There's so many things that corrupt or undermine that. Our public, our, our education system has an influence on that. Um, the the promulgation of certain kinds of political biases have an uh, have, a, have an impact on that. And then and then what's instrumental to those two things is the ways in which discourse is done and mediated. Social media actually has a huge corrupting impact on our ability to have civil discourse because because yeah. what it okay. does is it gamifies ideas. And the ideas that cause the most outrage um, stand to get the most attention. And we have an intention economy on social media where the things that get the most clicks, likes and and shares and, and subs attract the most attention and therefore attract the most advertising dollars and therefore attract the most money. Right. So like. That's a huge corrupting influence on our discourse. A lot of the ideas that race to the top, race to the top through these mechanisms. It's yeah. not because they're good ideas. It's because they're very. They, it's because a lot of people are paying attention to them. It's because they're salacious. It's because they're messy. It's because they're sexy. It's because of base instincts that we have as human beings, and it's corrupting our influence to be able to determine what's right and wrong for our country. Like it's it's fucking us over, and Twitter is a poster <coughs> child for that kind of thing, because because. Long-winded civil discourse, like what we just had over the last hour and a half, cannot be replicated on Twitter. It can't no, no, it can't. the medium precludes the possibility, right? And that's a that's a that's a detriment to our public discourse in a fundamental way. We can't hash out ideas that are hella nuanced, and hella complicated, hella complex, and a hundred fucking twenty-five characters or whatever the fuck it is now. I don't even know what it is now. With no edit button, you that means you can tweet some <laughs> dumb shit that you thought when you were in ninth grade, and you can't even edit that shit. All you can do is delete it. And and people will screenshot that shit where it will live forever, yeah. and then cancel your ass ten years later when they realize how dumb you were. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> even that's... even though you realize how dumb, bro, the shit I used to say in ninth grade. I know I'm so happy to put that shit on I'm Twitter, so... and people would have been like, "Is this you, bro?" And I like the shit I said, bro. I'd be I'm, I'm still Dude. embarrassed. Nobody even knows but me, and I'm embarrassed by it. Maybe it because should because be an age limit.
1: It Should be an age limit for free speech. Then we should set it at like <laughs> 18 to 21. You're not allowed to have free speech until this age. Um,
0: I mean, you know, I mean, I, I but then we, we're we creating a cancel culture that won't even like allow people to make mistakes. Like part of the reason why I think it's probably a good argument for free speech is we need to enable people to say dumb shit so that they can realize how dumb it is. If they don't know if they if if they're ignorant about how dumb their their ideas are. And, and I am the poster child for this. Like, I've said a lot of dumb shit over the years. You think I sound smart now, but that's 35 years of, like, trial and error, fam. When I was fucking, yeah. I was 15, I was dumb as shit. I said the dumbest. bro. I was so ignorant. And, and there's a lot of things I'm ignorant about even now to this day as a 35-year-old. But I, I have more wisdom in my ability to be like I probably shouldn't speak on this because I don't know that much.
1: But at fifteen, yeah. I just just say shit. <laughs> I think it's I think it's funny. Um, and I'll uh, I, you'll you'll pick up on this one because we were talking about we met on Clubhouse, and it's there's a lot of times you'll be in a room and you'll hear a good argument, and this one person will, you know, they'll say something, you know, they'll go on a, a rant for three minutes or five minutes, and you're like, dude, yeah, okay, yeah, this guy's smart, and then the next second, drop something completely awful, and you're like, oh no 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 bad idea, and so that. <laughs> that is this that's necessary i mean i I don't think you should back up anybody and be like well i think the idea is something that needs to be contended and i say that i say that with people have ideas they're not they're not they aren't their ideas um even with the going back to the kanye thing i think i think with some counseling and some legit help um kanye can make another great album i think it could happen i don't think he's too far gone i don't think anybody's too far gone um, I'm, I'm a bit empathetic that way. I just, I, I'd like to find, and I've been on clubhouse where someone said something really smart and then two seconds later said something dumb. I, it's probably been me too. And so I would like for that free market of ideas, if you just say, if you were to say on the, your podcast said something dumb and I just have to sit with it and be like, well, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's your podcast. So I'm not going <laughs> to, let me see if I can get you off the screen. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't, I, I, am really Reluctant to cancel people in general. And because I might be the next one. You there, never you a, never do that. Uh, there is a, you might be in line for this. You know,
0: there's a compassionate impulse that I think is applicable to the situation. But what's the source of the controversy to kind of counter it a little bit is yeah, yeah. how much latitude do you want to give somebody like Kanye West to publicly yeah. spew things that are reprehensible on their journey of self-enlightenment? Like a- along the way, damage is being done. And I think that people Intuitively sense the damage that's being done. It's not just to Kanye West. It's it's a form of defamation of Jewish people because He's perpetuating negative stereotypes about Jewish people that aren't true of most Jews They're just not true and he's implicating yep. all, all, An entire group of people because I guess of the actions of a few that he can identify kind of and he's making it seem like there's a secret cabal of Jewish people who are you know making moves with respect to his ends and his and his I guess interests and his his status as a mogul um that he doesn't approve of. I, and and like there's a there there actually is underneath all of the anti-Semitism he's spewing, there actually is, I think, a robust discourse about historically the ways with which non-black people have have leveraged their power in on a whole bunch of ways um to reap the benefits of the natural talents of black people. And and definitely Kanye West does fit that mold. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of non-black people who are who are making moves with respect to his interests and respect to his ends and his and his his money yep. that he doesn't approve of as an artist, but like blaming the Jews for that, I think is just misdirected
1: anger. I think it's well. Here's here's what I'll say: as much damage as "quote unquote" Kanye is, I mean, he might legit be doing damage. So I don't, you know, I I don't know. I'm not, I haven't paid attention enough. But what I can say is his actions, his free speech has led to a ton of conversations on club uh, right now between you and me, people are having these conversations that they would have never had beforehand because I still, I still don't understand the anti, I'm from the South. So I I never was raised around a a high Jewish population, but growing up and I've been a Christian majority of my life growing up, I was like, wait, why do people not like them? Like, I don't get this. (laughs) And I, and I never, and I still kind of don't, I just don't, I don't, I just never understood that. And now that we're having conversations like, well, you know, there's a lot of bankers and it's like, okay, but I still think at the end of the day with Kanye like spewing everything out, people are having legit conversations learning and going, Oh, now I see why you're wrong. Oh, now I see why this is a bad idea. I didn't even know this was an idea, much less a bad one. I didn't know people actually thought this until Kanye comes out. And then, then you do have people like Nick Fuentes or or Milo going like, yeah, even on, on Tim being like, Yep. Who who is it? Who, who, who do you mean by that? And it's like, okay, so these people do exist with the uh, these ideas. And I'm mm-hmm. glad I, at least people are starting to talk about it because I I still think the best idea is gonna come out. The same thing with the 9-11 thing. If people were allowed to talk to question, you know, maybe we shouldn't hate on these people. And everyone was like, No, 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 you must be you must be a terrorist. Well, see, that, now we're not now we're not doing. You're pro terrorism. You're pro terrorism. <laughs> well, if we were allowed to have a conversation, maybe less people were getting beat up in the street just because of their skin color. You know, like that would yeah. that would have helped a little bit. And I know it's not perfect. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm so quick to say cut the cord on Kanye, uh, or anytime someone steps. I mean, he stepped way out of line. Um, I just feel bad that people are using it as entertainment. But because what does it? Doesn't what look the, like entertainment.
0: And this will be my last question. because You got to go. What what are the implications for accountability, though? If you're not willing to cut the cord on Kanye, at least temporarily, then how do you hold a person like Kanye accountable, who has the ability oh. to who has an outsized ability to do a lot of damage uh, on their way to enlightenment, let's say?
1: Mm, okay, so I think the accountability part with this is this is where it gets tricky for me. Um, I don't think it's the public's responsibility to cut the cord on Kanye. I think it's it's the people around Kanye that are concerned for him legitimately. Those are the people. So say, say I went off on a tirade, you know, right now, right on your podcast, you can cut the cord legit, but, but you wouldn't be your responsibility to find all my social media and cancel me quote unquote, or call Elon, be like, Elon, take, take this David guy off of Twitter. He said some stuff on my podcast. That's not your responsibility. No, yeah. no, the corporate, everyone around me can just ostracize me. It's fine. But it would be, it would be technically my wife's responsibility or my family's responsibility to, to. To take my phone away out of my hands, that that concept, it, like, hold on, and I don't know if Kanye had, and like I said, I don't know if he has anybody around him, so it, it's not technically anyone's responsibility to cut the cord on on him in a legit sense. I just, but I, there are there
0: are some interesting know. implications about that stance because people have freedom, freedom of association, and and, uh-huh. and a corollary of that is a freedom of disassociation. If they don't, don't want know. to associate with you, they don't have to. If they even if they're a business, also, yep, that's a form of speech. So people have the ability to repudiate your speech with their speech. Mm -hmm. So with, with these freedoms preserved, to say it's not my responsibility is one thing, but I do have the freedom and the ability to move that way. And if you have people who move in such a way as to ostracize themselves or part ways with Kanye in such a way where he loses millions of dollars, It seems like that's in bounds, and it seems like on some level we would want that kind of thing to be normed on because we do want some kind of accountability for people who say whore, reprehensible shit in public. Yeah,
1: Yeah, well, that actually, I mean, accountability is the right word for that. I was thinking the same thing. It's a responsibility not for, you know, it's not Adidas's responsibility to make sure Kanye doesn't say the wrong thing. It's Adidas's responsibility to make sure they make money, and if Kanye starts to ruin their product, then it's their responsibility to cut Kanye off and Mm -hmm. go, hey, you're out of here. I have no problem. You're right. That's itself. It's form. The cancellation part is a form of free speech too. Um, I don't like it when it's the government doing it because then it seems unjustifiably, there's no business deal going on here. Um, So I don't know how the government could get involved, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think if I, I can, I said what I said on this podcast, I could come out tomorrow and be like, you know what? I hate Kanye. I'm going to block him. I don't want to hear anything about him and I'll, I'll make efforts to not hear not even have conversations about Con- I can do that too and that's fine um I just think I just think it as a as a it's not my responsibility to save Kanye is my point mm-hmm. and and if, if I go well you know what the best thing for Kanye is to be is to be taken off of social media so I think Elon should do it mm-hmm. okay but again it's not my responsibility I don't think it's Elon's responsibility well it might be um if he violated I think he violated something I don't know he got kicked off of Twitter so he violated something and I remember Elon saying he violated something yeah. um, so mm-hmm. but that doesn't surprise me um, but yeah <laughs> that's my that's my stance. It's I don't know if I don't know if it's my responsibility to curtail your voice to censor you um, I think it's my responsibility to hold myself accountable and the people around me accountable you know if it's my best friend and he goes off the rails then it's, it is my responsibility because they're my best you know that kind of thing um, I just don't I don't think it's I don't think it's the world's responsibility. Uh, up to hold Kanye, you know, and hold this yeah. thing through. I don't know. Hopefully that made sense. Hopefully I didn't no, it,
0: really it podcast did. with a No, 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 no I did. I thought the conversation was very uh, uh, free-flowing, and, and we're going to wrap up here. I was actually going to uh, get into some heady stuff with uh, by reading John Stuart Mill's Arguments oh, from the Encyclopedia of Philosophy, but I'm not going to do that because we're going to ruined go that. No, no, you didn't ruin it. It's <laughs> okay. just that the conversation didn't go that way, so it yeah. didn't seem like, Man, I'm going to force it. But hey, maybe we can do a part two. I don't know. I'm yeah. like, I am like to do like, several parts of these things because these discussions usually, you know, are, this one's are, a long are, one, are bigger, yeah. They're bigger than in a couple hours, we yeah, should. yeah, for real. It really um, is, it, yeah, it really. Is. Uh, but to wrap up, what I want to ask you is two questions on a scale of one to ten, ten being this is uh the best experience you've ever had in life, better than sex, and one being this is the worst. Uh, how was your experience on the podcast?
1: Oh, wow, that's a scale, is it? Um, uh, I'm gonna go a solid
0: 8.3. Uh, okay, I was it's hoping you'd say better, almost there. better than sex better than sex but i guess it's not
1: i felt i felt weird if if i would have said that then it would have sounded that would have been weird
0: that would have been very yeah. weird It would have been very okay weird. so I had,
1: like, I had to think about my answer be very uh <laughs> very precise but it was like how do i not, I, I how, do I not very, how do i not insult him, but also not hit yeah. on him? uh yeah, to yeah, right it?
0: that's funny i asked a very weird question that was my bad uh <laughs> my second my second question on the scale of one to ten, 10 being yeah. uh awesome and one being not so awesome uh, okay. How likely well, would you be willing to come back and be uh, a 11. 11. Nice. So better yeah, than sex. Yeah, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm we go
1: get, actually, yeah. Coming, coming back would be better. Never mind. I'm not going to say <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, dude. It was a great time. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's yeah. fun. Dude, I love this.
0: Yeah, this yeah. Great. yeah, man. Uh, same here. Uh, so, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and wrap up. I'm, I'm going to uh, bring you off um, and then hang out in the back. And then uh, I'll end, and we'll, we'll wrap up after. All righty. All right. This has been another episode, a deep dive episode of the Black News Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Muse. I feel really, really good about that episode. Um, Really enlightening conversation. uh, Really great deep dive into uh, the kind of ins and outs of the free speech debate. Um, If we do a part two, I think I'm going to delve a little harder on hate speech and trying to um, uh, uh, elucidate the intricacies of that and why people feel the way they do. But this was a great, I think, first part Uh, to an ongoing conversation. Um, So with that, thank you all for watching, and I will see you all next time. Peace.